Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul Podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hello, before we get started, I wanted to thank my new Patreon members, Alicia, Neville, Sonia, and Radine. And I'd also like to thank Jennifer and Jamie for donating to my coffee fund. I have my favorite dirty chai with me right here, and I'm ready to introduce my guest today, Vani Eichel. She is the author of the book called A Reason to Carry On. The meaning of life is within each of us to grasp. In this book, she shares the story of when she was an exercise therapist teaching classes for psychiatric offenders and in nursing homes for people living out their final furlough. Vani tells the stories of the many individuals that she encountered of all ages with mental, physical, and emotional disabilities in contrast to socializing with the rich and famous. She found that whatever their weaknesses or limitations were, that everyone is similar at their core and that the same universal simple truths applied to all to finding a meaningful life. And it's a pleasure for me to have her on with us today. Thank you so much for being with us, Bonnie. Fine. So pleased to meet you. Oh, it's so good to meet you too. I've been listening to your other podcasts. I've enjoyed them very much. Thank you. I really enjoyed your book. Oh, thank you so much. It's not that big a book, but there's a lot in it. It hit my heart. I, I think it's it's absolutely lovely. And I look forward to this conversation because, you know, when I have a child on the spectrum and I often think about the forgotten. And, you know, to be able to love a child and that's all you have to do is give that child love. It's wonderful. You know, I had on a beautiful guest named Heidi Rohn. She talked about her Son, and he was on the spectrum of autism. And oh, that episode, I must have cried the entire time. But basically, he, she was told that he had the mental capacity of a five month old. I know people like that because I worked yeah. with them. Well, when he got the technology, though, and he was learning how to text, he had the wisdom of the universe. He was not the brain of a five month old. And in fact, he had so much wisdom. He spoke of past lives. He spoke of things that he shouldn't have. And when she said, why do you hurt yourself? He said, I I can't help it. I would if I could. She asked him, did you think that it was going to be this hard, this life? And he said, I didn't know it'd be so long. And then when she said, is there anything I can do for you? He said, you just have to love me and I'll do the rest. That's all you need to do, really. And that was the name of her book. You just have to love me. That's the the answer to everything. I know. It was a beautiful story. And, 
you know, I kind of felt that same vibration from you. In fact, reading your book, I, I often thought of Audrey Hepburn, even <laughs> Holly go lightly and breakfast at Tiffany's. She called Paul Fred, you know, cause she had lost her brother mm-hmm. and she saw something in Paul that reminded her of her brother. And so she said, can I call you Fred darling? <laughs> I've always loved her because beyond just her as an actress, she was such a humanitarian. I wrote in my book, I don't know if you remember that part, where I transferred my feelings to my yes. lost mother. And without knowing it, and a lot of people do that sort of thing without being aware that they're transferring their own cells onto someone else, using them without realizing that they're doing that. Yeah, that's actually when I thought about her. Yeah. And then being the ballerina, Yeah, it was everything. I mean, it's just, it's like a metaphor for a perfect life. Because really, to have a perfect life is to be in control of your life. And there it is. It's, you know, it's mind, body, spirit, because it's psychology, philosophy, uh, spirituality, emotion. It's everything because you have to be at such a peak of, you know, your mind, body, and spirit all working together to Mm -hmm. technically. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be ballet, but it's any professional sport or anything that we try to do to be at the best of, you have to be in control. And it's funny, I was, I had a book launch this week and there was a psychologist there and he was retired and he said he really never understood and never thought to make a connection with the body, with the mind which is very, you know, strange people now, now they understand it and they're starting to understand how much the body is a part of the mind works. Like Freud knew it. Right. Carl Jung knew it. Yes. You know, it's just yesterday I had, I teach Reiki. So I had a Reiki class. I was teaching about the different stages of the chakras, a timeline. So it's like the root chakra is one to seven years old and it goes all the way up to 50. And we're talking about your experiences and all the wisdom that you receive. And we were laughing because I said, you see that? I said, you start all over. So by the time that you hit, like in your 80s to 90s to 100, you finally figure it out and then life's over. (laughs) I'm not so sure. A lot of people that I think you might have read about in the book, reason to carry on they didn't learn at that age you know and a lot you know people even I meet in life sometimes they get older but they unfortunately they don't get wiser you wrote it is true that older people lose millions of brain cells but nerve connections increase proportionally that the psychological basis for older and wiser so there's actually something in science that almost proves and so it's amazing that's so interesting to me. Everything that I've written always has a, a basis, a scientific or a, you know. I love that. Somewhere. I didn't just throw out facts that came with some, something behind You know me. what? I'm the same way. So I'm very spiritual, but yet I always want to know the reason why. And you know what? Usually there's a scientific reason. It's beautiful how science and spirituality have a marriage. Well, I'm always very impressed by Rabbi Lord Sachs, and he—I mean, his books were fantastic, and he was a, a wonderful speaker. He died just two years ago, and he said, "You always have to look at the minutes of the last meeting." And so, of course, that's why I found Bible studies so interesting and so important 
You know, when you people who are, you know, follow religion or they don't want to follow religion because they didn't understand what it's really about, because mm -hmm. it's not been taught properly to them. But with the Internet now, you can learn so much from different areas. You know, if you're not happy with one, you can learn from someone else. And it, it's just amazing that there's so much out there if we just avail ourselves of it. Right. And read it for yourself. I remember picking up the Bible early in my journey when I, I at first was angry and bitter and I felt like everything I thought I knew wasn't and I was having doubts and all the systems of my life, you know, in my religion and the government and I was bitter and everything I thought I knew wasn't. And so I decided to do it and read it for myself without anyone teaching me. And the words, there was so much wisdom in there. And I'm like, how did I never know this was in here? This wasn't taught to me. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I find that, you know, especially right now, you know, I have kids from 25 to almost 11. And my youngest daughter is very inward. She's also an artist. It's just the way that she sees the world. It's the way she's ex experiencing her world. And she's inward. And actually, I think it's a very beautiful thing because I think most of us are, you know, we get into our 40s, we're trying to go inward for the first time. And she came into this world this way. However, you know, a lot of times when you are labeled as the introvert or autistic or all these things, you're not the normie. Yes, that's why it's so bad to label people. But really, those type of people, they're much more in touch with mm -hmm. their instincts yeah. and their sensitivities. You know, they know exactly what they're on their sixth sense. They're in touch with their sixth sense. Mm -hmm. Very often that, you know, great artists and writers, where do they get the inspiration from? Because they've got that. They, they're in touch with their sixth yeah. sense people who want to think that oh they have to be out and follow the crowd they might go down the wrong way you know it's, it's usually her to stay in her own past because they try yeah. to prove themselves or whatever reason but I think that's wonderful and that you honor it so my my third child is the one who's on the spectrum one of the first things that I noticed well there were several things but one of the first things is I noticed that he was not very connected to his body and also to the perception of the world. So he would do this thing where when he would go from grass to say like the cement, he would get on his knees, turn around like he was going down a stair or something. So his perception was off and he was always very careful the way he was seeing the world and where his body was. And we used to do compression therapy with him brush his body and then for two hours we would teach him so that because his body needed to be awakened to be able to receive my son has taught me so much most of us are on the spectrum <laughs> do you still do exercise therapy I just think it's an amazing technique that people don't often talk about unfortunately I don't do it anymore I write about it now <laughs> No, but it was my time at that time. And but I think it's so important for your child to do exercise or to do but but focused exercise. Yeah. That's what I taught folks, which is totally different. It's more like a ballet technique 
or technical, that you know how to use your body properly. You work from your center and you extend out and all that you know how to use that you're always in control because if, if you're in control, like in the book, Reason to Carry On, I talk about Henry and he thought he was real cool and he came into a room swaggering and all that. He looked yeah. ridiculous. I said, go back out again and stand up tall and walk up with your head up high and your back straight, shoulders down and walk. And he, you know, you feel different. And that's the whole thing. But people put these masks on in life or they just adopt a certain posture. When I was a little girl, I used to put my shoulders up all the time, you know, and we adopt because we don't know the right technique, which is very simple. And it's about letting go, not holding on to tension. So I think I would recommend that you do put your. Yeah, he loves yoga. Wonderful. You know, when people have problems, they're disconnected from their yes. bodies. People yes. who are troubled. And they all need to get back in touch with their body. You know, in the book I was writing about when I worked in retirement homes, nursing homes, mm-hmm. and the people who were troubled, you know, I always try to touch them. Mm-hmm. So they feel that connection with touch. And some of them, they once I would invade their space. And then after a while, they let me touch them you know mm-hmm. to, just because I wanted them to feel that connection and then they accepted it mm-hmm. not to impose myself or something but it's so important who aren't touched or aren't held that they feel that human connection and that yeah. the experience of what it is to be a human right to have this body let's talk about the class that kind of you start the book off with you had a lot of different men in that class and you are very beautiful by the way so <laughs> you know and, and you didn't have like just your regular guys showing up for this class I mean there was a lot of different characters in there well it was a hostel for a psychiatric ex-offenders so. <laughs> but you know I love them I was so attached to them because with me they got to trust me Mm-hmm. And they let go, you know, a lot of it, we, I did behavioral psychology to understand the people I was working with. And you have to understand when you come, when someone comes from a home where they only saw violence and where they were just, mm-hmm. where they didn't have attachment. Attachment is so important in the very early mm-hmm. stages of our lives. If you don't have a proper attachment, your brain is plastic, yes, and it's molded. So if it doesn't get molded in the right way, it's not getting those connections like we were talking earlier about the brain and it's getting, you know, for older people, but when it's young and it doesn't, it's not able to flow energy when you know about energy, the flow of energy, the flow of information, it's not able to receive that. So what do they do? Who People who live in violent inner cities or with the violence around them, they have to protect themselves. And how do they do it? They have this tough nature and their perceptions are very different because they perceive anyone, you know, they, they were always talking about, oh, this person wasn't, you know, I was tough or something and they got in fights because they had, they had to show that they needed respect them respecting this one bumped into them it was a terrible thing you know so that's what they needed and it's so different when you're it's the way your brain perceives things from very young 
So anyway, I started working with them and they dropped this mask with me because they saw that they didn't have to have anything. And I was there for exercises, but I wasn't successful in that way because they weren't really keen on it. They wanted to talk and let it all hang out. And you created a safe space for them, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, no one supervised us. No one came to see it. But I did try to keep focusing on the exercise, please. You said in your book that it was through their vulnerability in their stories, which I, I can tell you love to hear people's stories. I do too. But I mean, I don't know why. they. I guess like when you go to the hairdresser, sometimes you tell yes. them secrets don't you, you I'm a massage so therapist so I know this <laughs> well, you know, they, they were all talking about but they let it out always because it's how they were feeling yeah you know I, and I spoke about one person he started crying right away talking about something that was so vulnerable so mm -hmm. vulnerable but it was just you just felt the human side of it but then I was sucked in as well, because when I started working with the main character, Henry, at, I fell for his um, needing me and wanting me. And I'm sure he did. And he was in perhaps remission, being a psychopath. And I only found afterwards that he was diagnosed as a violent psychopath, an arsonist, rapist. But with me, I was alone. He never he was sort of, I think, I don't know what it is, but it was remission. And then his real self came out when we, we had a break, I had a vacation and I came back and he wasn't the same anymore. But it was before that where you really felt needed someone he couldn't read or write and he wanted help. And psychopaths are known to be very manipulative but I don't believe he was manipulating me then quite honestly. I think when the real person came out, the real psychopathy came out, it wasn't the same person. It was a, you could see. And I, I think it was two people. Mm. I really feel it was two people. I don't think he was being, mm. I, I really think it was genuine. When he was able to maybe connect with his body and feel safe, then he was able to really truly be in his his self, maybe. I believe so. Yeah. I really believe so because he couldn't anymore when he'd, oh. when he got out, when he, he couldn't control himself anymore. There was no way he could manipulate or be, you know, he mm -hmm. was a different person. So maybe oh. there is a, you know, I would like to ask someone, I never thought about really, it made me think about that. Maybe he was a completely different person then. I've always been one of those people, Vani, that tends to see the sad person in the room and kind of go towards them just because I am an empath, right? I definitely think you are. You talk about, I don't know if you use the word empath, but that, you know, we're all really sensing each other's vibration and frequency. And some, I think, I think if you are more present, you know, with your body, right, you're able to do that easier and sense other people's energies. You do talk about that in, in your book about how you were sensing their energy. Yes, and I think there's a light. Sometimes your light is too strong for other people. Mm -hmm. they can't yeah. It's very True. interesting people talk about light when they say what light is, about the light of creation. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you speak about light, you know which light you're speaking of. But it's really, it's a different light, I think, that you're talking about now, aside from the light of creation. 
you know, there's a life of creation, like when when God created the the, the mm -hmm. world. He, the first day he created light and it was only four days later that he died, that he created yeah, the sun. Mm -hmm. So what was that light? That was the original light creation. It's supposed to shine twice. The first time we see it, it's very bright. And then it, you know, then we're always longing for it. And, so, and when it comes again, it's never as bright, they say. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's something with the light in, in us or whatever. I don't know quite. Yes, the divine spark within is what I believe it is. Yes. A little spark of that light. We are a spark of that. That's what I believe we are. But do you also think, though, because when you were talking about sometimes our light is too big, I do. I, I feel like I'm aware of that. And I can lower my light a little bit, right, to be able to match yours. Yes. Yes, I think you have to, when you go out in the world, you have yeah. to, you know, the same time, same time when you say you go up to people's levels, when you're working with <laughs> people who are needy, you're going up to their level because they're vulnerable and they're true and honest. That's what is it? What is this level? It's the level of people who've discarded all these plastic and put the real person that's all it is but you yeah. know when you meet the real person that's the real person without the plastic without the mask that's when you have the real person hey listeners sorry for the interruption but i wanted to let you know about sense of souls spring book club which is starting sunday april 16th we will be reading the god solution the power of pure love by neil donald walsh inspired millions the book series conversations with god and the god solution is his latest book the book club will be meeting via zoom beginning sunday april 16th at 5 p.m mountain time and every other sunday until may 28th you can join for only five dollars on sense of soul patreon and you will also get free episodes merch and much more and then in june i'll be interviewing mr neil donald walsh on sense of soul podcast you can also learn more at mysenseofsoul.com. I hope that you join. It's a great way for me to interact and get to know all of you. Hope to see you soon. Now back to our amazing guest. You know, one thing about these people that I worked with, the exit vendors, they needed instant gratification. They couldn't delay their gratification. And that's why people who become addicted have these addictions because it satisfies that immediate need. Use drugs or alcohol at a young age, they're disturbing their brain. The, mm -hmm. the, the whole brain is being altered. The chemistry of their brain is altered. So they can't have all the endorphins or the dopamine or what we need to have a happy life because they've destroyed their own abilities. You want to live pure in life and be the best person you can be. And know if you've been had problems and you've been to disadvantage, the one thing in life is you can get better. You can alter things. Because if you focus, if you even a damaged brain, focused attention, even on a damaged brain, there's ways that to get around it. Yeah, like, like the story of James Fallon. That story just is fascinating to me. I think he was a neurologist or something. He was studying the brains of the psychopaths and the narcissist. And then he does the brain scans and then he sees, oh, this guy's definitely, you know, a psychopath and it's his brain. 
Oh yes, 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 yes. I've read that a lot. It was very wow. Yeah, but once he had awareness, he was able to make a conscious decision. Like, oh, well, I'm supposed to care about these things. I haven't because it's not natural to me. But now I'm going to make a conscious decision to show empathy when it's supposed to be appropriate. And it made a difference in his life. Of course, there's nothing you can't do when you mm. focus your mind to it. And you know what your limitations are. I mean, I adore ballet classes, but I learned, I finally gave into the idea that I have something that, that you can't do ordering. I have to watch another person. So I had to give into it. I can't do it, you know? I can't okay. control it. The same thing in life when you're no you can't do anything you know I have to always watch another person you know yeah me too I gotta know what that is that's like probably why I can't follow directions right sequencing sequencing disorder <laughs> it's called sequencing I just got to accept it you know and that's the sort of thing when you accept your hat what you can't change right and just like alcohol is anonymous of you, they say you can change things and you can't, you accept and you know, and you get around it because the world's a very big place. So it's accepting, you know, these things and, you know, everyone has them, you know, like I was totally finding that in me as well. And I have tons of things and it's best if you do accept them and find the tools that's going to help you. You know, one thing I was thinking about also when I was reading your book is how hurt people hurt people. You repeat your behavior that you know if you had a parent who screamed you're going to scream if you had a parent who hit you're going to hit you know how do you know differently a lot of our behavior is memory sometimes we remember certain things and that's what we do from we act from memory so a lot of the people that you worked with do you feel that it was because of their experiences that who they were or did they actually have like narcissism they say is irreversible you know do you believe that do you believe that these like schizophrenia you did mention that in your book I think all these things like you you just mentioned James Fallon I hadn't remembered his name but we once you're aware of things and you really try but you know it's so hard for these people because they're basically a lot of them on drugs yeah you know, a drug to keep themselves, if they have schizophrenic or any problems like that, they're drugged. So they, they can't express themselves and they can't really live a proper life. Mm -hmm. And, but listen, people with awareness and if they have someone who loves them, the whole thing in life, if you have someone mm -hmm. who loves I know, and they've been labeled, labeled bad, right? And so they probably don't fill up. The way they are also their approach and how they are and they're, you know, it, it's very sad really because yeah. they're not going to find someone to love them. Because also when you haven't had a proper relationship, how do you know how to make relationships? You're going to attract people who are damaged like you are, mm -hmm. you know? And so you're going to have the cycle because they're no better than you are. You need someone really from who's really full of love. But how are you going to find that? Mm. Asked me to marry him, one of his students. And I mean, you couldn't in a million years. Because, you know, he was a very troubled and damaged person. And uh, they just wanted a way out. And, you know, but nobody, you know, mm -hmm. nobody really on 
be an in person who was be looking for that sort of troubled person because he couldn't sustain a relationship with anyone mm -hmm. as much as they want. But nobody's any different. Everyone wants the same thing, even if they know it or they don't know it. They just want to be loved and mm -hmm. they want to have someone to love them. And sometimes if you don't have a partner, I've been alone most of my life and I was widowed. Uh, my husband died, you know, in a car accident. And um, you get used to being on your own. I mean, I have if I didn't have my children, my family, they're everything for me. But we all need to have, if we don't have a family unit, we need the community. You need to feel that you belong somewhere. And if you're alone in the world, you have to create this belonging to either a house of worship or belonging to a group or something you'll find interesting. And if you have that belonging, it doesn't matter if you're on your own, you have to love yourself. Learn to love yourself. The record I used to play always for my exercise classes was The Greatest Love of All. And mm, uh, By Whitney Houston? Yes, and it's it. there's someone else who sings it as well. So oh, okay. Partial, but she was fantastic. She's fantastic. But it's, you know, the it's the children are the future. Teach them well mm -hmm. and let them be the way. Mm -hmm. Show them the beauty that exists inside. You know, it, it, every word, people have to study the words of that song because that's what it's all about. Loving yourself, being the, and because if you love yourself, then you won't do anything bad. You try to be the best person you can be. And, and if you try to be the best, it doesn't matter if you succeed or not succeed, but if that's your motive is doing it with love. You know, they always say there's only two, two emotions in life, love and fear. Mm -hmm. Both are very big words. Love is a big word, but fear is envy, greed, avarice, all the negatives and love is the positive. So as long as you do out of love and what you believe is love, we don't always succeed and we're not always correct in what we do, but as long as we act out of love, that's the most important thing. And if you don't have anyone loving you, you have to love yourself. And if people don't value you, it doesn't matter, you value yourself. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's the reason we carry on right there. That's right. <laughs> so true. But yet we're not taught this. So that's why I, I always say, can you imagine a, a world, a generation that is taught this to love yourself, you know, to because when you begin to love yourself like unconditionally, unconditionally, right? Yeah. I love myself even though I have a messy closet. <laughs> But also there's something else that the spiritual side of life, that there's something out there that's greater to our, than ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have that, what is the alternative? Yeah. People go through loss and grief in life. I mean, what else do you have? Or when you're ill or there's an illness or someone in your family's ill, what can you do but pray? You can't, there's nothing else to do. You do everything else physically what you can. But that's why I, grew, I really believe there's something greater. And that's why I never feel alone. I try to teach my students 
when we were having our talks, particularly that there's something when there, always talk to someone, talk to someone that you're not alone. Feel mm -hmm. that there's an angel or a spirit or whatever you want to believe in there or a light, whatever you want, it doesn't matter what you believe in, as long as you believe. And it's very hard, you know, even the most religious of people to sometimes they question their beliefs because, you know, you wonder why all these terrible things happen in life. How can there yes. be a God? Or how can there be a greater power? But, you know, we're on earth and there are people. Who, it's not God who does these terrible things. It's the people on earth who've done these things. You know, even if it's difficult, you have to always believe in something greater because there's no other alternative. It reminds me of when, was it Henry, I, he fell and someone was going to help him up and he said, what's the point? Exactly. Oh, it killed me. Yes, he just saw no point because, I, you know, that stage, I mean, if you go on and continue reading, his life was complete violence. You know, he was he was in a coma for three months because someone had hit him on the head with something. Someone bit off his ear. So, I mean, he's, he only knew the violence. From that point of view, it was really difficult. But I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way. Yeah. You know, over the past few years, it's been such a hard time. And it kills me to think that during COVID, so many people were one alone. And so many people were not able to be with their loved ones when they were sick or when they were dying. I mean, I can't think of anything no. just more horrific. Just really horrific. <laughs> to die alone is terrible. Yeah, that is just a shame. I just think that, you know, there's that oxytocin, you know, that we release in our brain because of connection with others. And if you don't have it, like you die. Like you could die, you know, when you think about people dying with a broken heart, or I think there was a situation like that in your book. Yes, I think I wrote a lot. You know, I really didn't know what kept these people alive. I can't tell you what did. I wrote them off so many times and they just came back more and more. One woman particularly, I think I was writing about that she had a stroke, she mm -hmm. lost her son, and yet she came back and she she just came, you know, she was, you know, paralyzed, had lost her son, and yet she was kind of, she's back for, you know, she lived for a few years. I don't you know. Some things we're not, we're not supposed to know it all. That's the one thing to know. You don't know it all. You know, I've always loved old people. I do. I have always, I used to love to just sit with my great grandma, my grandma, and just listen to their stories their experiences, their wisdom. For some reason, I knew that it was important. I always tell my children, my, my kids right now, my oldest is almost 26 and they have a great grandma still. And she I is, I know, yeah, she's 90 something, but she is declining. She did well until she went to a nursing home. And I see that and hear that often. I, you know, it's... It's a necessary evil in a way, but uh, people like to be in their own homes and feel comfortable in their own homes. Yeah. Yeah. You talked a lot about the people in the nursing homes, how, you know, many of them, you know, dementia and or were totally detached, but there was so many of them, the, the ones who still had a love for life, 
one story I always find so funny. Well, I used to laugh a lot. I shouldn't have, but I used to laugh a lot. There was one woman, she used to get undressed the whole time. I, I was only there for an hour a week, but I knew her body inside out and everyone else <laughs> would always take off all her clothes constantly. And there was one other woman who came there who was very correct and always said, you're disgusting, you're awful, you're horrible. And then one time I come in and they're sitting together holding hands and they had such a loving relationship. And the one who was stripping all the time stopped stripping occasionally, it would happen not very often, but they were holding hands and it was such love between the two of them. And then the one who was stripping died. And the other woman who was so correct, all of a sudden, she went to pieces and she started then going into her handbag all the time when I saw her she would take everything out of her handbag put it back in all the time it was obsessive compulsive so what her behavior was her obsession she had on this woman she was treating her like a pet and giving her love and everything and when she didn't have it anymore she started focusing on something else, like you know her handbag and this obsessive compulsiveness all the time. And she didn't last much longer after that. But even a situation like that was true love. It was the most beautiful thing to see when you see wow. two love and peace between these two women. That is so sweet, especially to find that in that environment. Amazing, it was just <laughs> amazing. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for joining me. I think your book is just a blessing. I think that it's beautiful. You show that you really provided a space for these people that was safe. You didn't judge them. You were just kind. It, you know, honestly, it reminded me of Jesus in many ways. He didn't care if there were lepers or prostitutes or tax collectors or murders. You see them as just people you don't yeah they still deserve love too and like you touch you know I think they're often forgotten they desire love too in the same you know I remember someone had told me once about Ethan because I said I wonder if he'll ever find someone you know in his life maybe someone just like him you know and um someone had said there's a lid for every pot yeah. <laughs> and that gave me so much hope. And I never forgot that because, of course, he wants love in that way as well. Everybody, it doesn't matter what they say, they want to be loved. That, that's the basis is the whole purpose of life. If you're looking for meaning in life, you know, that's what it's all about. Love. It doesn't have to be one to one love. It's love generally who live long you know they they the centenarians they people who've had long lives they said why because some saw the joy in family some the joy in whatever they did and some just in life simply life simply do you believe that that light that you were talking about that is love it's better than that it's even more you know right. it's even more it's a divine light right there's not a word for it really something that we don't know but there is I think there is definitely something that we all you know that's there something's there sometimes you know we life isn't easy because we're here to learn 
we're not here to have an easy time or fun time. We're here to learn. We can make the most of it. It's not the life we have. It's how we live it. Even the most difficult of circumstances, you can have a great life if you know how to put meaning into your life. You know, like you say, you don't know what, how do you say, what, what is uh, music? What is art? What is love? Mm -hmm. You're putting meaning into it. You put the meaning into it. And that's what about putting meaning into life by yeah. you putting your meaning into it. And the people who fail to do that, that's sad, isn't it? Because a lot of people don't really find who they truly are. And we have news for them. They'll have to come back and repeat till they do. <laughs> just keep pushing away that love. You're just going to have to get it eventually. <laughs> You're smothered with love. If people know that, they say, listen, if you don't do a good job of it now, you'll have to come back and face it again. So just keep, do the best you can and be the best you can. Last night, our circle that we do was the phoenix rising out of the ashes. My friend, Lisa, ran the circle and she asked everybody like that, why me question? You know, because I think that you can really get stuck in the why me? Like, why is this my life? Why is this my circumstances? Why was I born into this crap? To be able to be that phoenix rising from the ashes and, you know, have a reason to carry on. We all, you know, you have to do, put the meaning into it yourself. Nobody can do it for you. You can be lazy if you like or whatever, but you have to do it. Yes, just yes. To make a meaningful life for yourself. Otherwise, you have to come back and face it all again. <laughs> and now it's time to break that shit down. Well, just, you know, keep singing the song of, you know, the greatest love of all. Just keep yeah. listening to it. when you're feeling down or anything, you're just feeling, you know, just listen to the words because that's what it's all about. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, I want to go listen to it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Love is definitely the greatest energy that I've ever experienced that I think that we can experience as humans. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that into everyone's consciousness. It's such a delight to speak to you. You really are a beautiful person. Very beautiful. Oh, so are you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for writing such a beautiful, inspirational book. Thank All you right, so guys. much, John. Great pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one -on -one or help support Sense of Soul podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.